want everyone to look at your neighbor and say, allergies. Allergies, that's right. It is, today is October 1st, the beginning of October, and you guys know at the beginning of every season, we get, we get these things called seasonal allergies. Is anyone out there brave enough to admit that you are just like your boy and you are a sufferer of seasonal allergies? Yep, exactly. So I remember a time uh, when I was a kid, and uh, I was, it was one of those times when it was a season, season was changing, I was getting those seasonal allergies, I was in first grade. I remember, and I got uh, pretty sick. I got pretty sick from my allergies, and I wound up getting uh, a sinus infection and an ear infection at the same time. And, uh, you know, as a first grader, um, that, that's, not, that's not good. You know, that's not the best thing to be going through as a first grader. So I remember uh, my mom took me to the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, you're going to have to take these things called antibiotics. You're going to have to take these things called antibiotics. So I'm going to prescribe that uh, medicine to you. Now, you guys know when you're a little kid, you don't get uh, the same medicine that you get as an adult. They give you like kid medicine. You know what I'm saying? Like medicine that's designed for kids to take. All right. So this antibiotic I was supposed to take was bubblegum flavored. All right. Anybody tracking with this? Anyone ever have to take those bubblegum flavor antibiotics as a kid? All right. So you guys remember that's like, I don't know what uh, brand of bubblegum that tastes like puke, uh, but that's like what that antibiotics uh, flavor was like. You know what I'm saying? It didn't taste like stride gum. It didn't taste like fruit stripe gum. You guys remember fruit stripe? You know, like the zebra gum, it tastes like delicious for three seconds and then it's gone. Uh, it didn't taste like that. It tasted horrible. And uh, I just remember, like, you take that, that first swig of medicine and you're like, you get that, like, really weird bubblegum taste and then, like, the actual medicine part hits you and it's like your whole face, like, shrivels up, like, in, like your face, like, turns inside because it tastes so terrible. And uh, I just remember as a kid being like, oh, my gosh, I do not want to take this medicine. I'd freak out every single time my mom had me try to take it. And you know, you're supposed to take antibiotics twice a day. So it was like every time I was supposed to start my dosage, I was just, I was just freaking out. And I just remember my mom saying to me, like, hey, don't, David, don't stop taking this medicine. Stop fighting me. Like, this is good for you. This is good for you. This is helping you. This is making you better. But we have to keep doing this every day. You've got to keep taking this medicine. I remember a few days going by, and you know, like when you're in first grade, a few days might as well be a few months or years because it just feels like forever. And I was just, I was tired of it. And I would just freak out every time. My mom would just be like, hey, like, listen, David, it's working. It's working. The medicine, it's inside your body. It's working. I know you can't feel it right now. I know it doesn't seem like that on the surface, but it's working. It's healing you. It's making you better. And she would remind me like, hey, like, David, you're in first grade. You've got a long life ahead of you. You've got a lot of years in front of you. Like, don't you want to live just the rest of your life healthier? Do you want to have this infection for the rest of your life? And of course, you'd be like, no, I don't want to have it for the rest of my life. And she'd be like, okay, then take, take the bubblegum flavored medicine. Because we want to, I want to live the rest of my life healthy. And I think most of us in here uh, would agree that when we live our lives, we want to live the rest of our lives as healthy as possible. And the reason I start there tonight, the reason we start with this place tonight is this, is there's probably a lot of us in here uh, who have this sense that, man, there's some good things that I've started to do in my life that I've just kind of got, like, stuck in. Like, there's some good things I know I'm supposed to do. There's some things that I'm supposed to be doing week in and week out, staying disciplined at, that I've just, I've just given up uh, on doing. I just got tired of doing it at some point, and I just, I just stopped. Like, for example, many of you guys, uh, this past January, probably made something called a New Year's resolution. And you probably decided, like, hey, 
I'm going to set this goal, and I'm going to try to reach this New Year's resolution. I'm going to be uh, really gung-ho maybe about saving money. So, like, for the first 10 days of January, you, like, you know, were saving money and you were feeling good. Like, you, you know, you said no to some extras in your life. You said no to getting guac at Chipotle. You said no to going to Starbucks. And then all of a sudden, you got into the grind. And then you started having a bad day at work. And then you went home and you just went on a shopping spree. And you Amazon Prime some junk straight to your front door because you felt bad. And you didn't stay disciplined in doing that. Or maybe uh, you decided, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go on a diet. Nope, Ian's like, nope, not me, not me. I love the honesty. And it's like January 10th hit, and you had another rough day at work, and you were just like, man, I'm just going to whip my car in a Taco Bell, little taco therapy, some cheap tacos. Like, there's just some things in life that we know are supposed to be good for us that we fully intend when we set out to do it to keep doing it. And then just something happens, and we feel like we get stuck in this rhythm. We get stuck in this grind of doing things that we know are good for us, but we just, somewhere along the lines, we get off the track. We get off track of doing that. And I think when we get in the grind and we start thinking about the grind of what it means to serve in church and what it means to serve others and what it means to love others and what it means to be a faithful attender at church, we fall into the same kind of grindy mindset that we fall into when it comes to work. Like, I know church is good for me. Like, I know, like, I set a goal that I wanted to read my Bible this year. I wanted to read the whole thing. I wanted to do the one-year Bible. I know I wanted to make it through this devotion. I know we set goals like that, and at some point, like, we just get stuck. We get stuck, and we get off track with our disciplines. We get off track with what it means to serve others because we just fall into this thing of, man, I'm here. Like, I'm coming on Sunday. I'm coming on Tuesday. I'm going to my group. I'm going to these trainings. I'm going to these huddles. I'm going to live track. I'm going to all this stuff, and it's just like, man, I just feel like I'm stuck in the grind. I'm stuck in the grind of what it means to serve at church. And I think in our core, like, we know that that's good, and we know that that's what we're supposed to do, but we just, we get in that mode, and we fall off track. So, guys, as we finish our series, The Grind, you guys remember over the past three weeks, we've been talking about uh, a lot of different stuff when it comes to work. You guys remember the first week, we talked about, hey, where does work come from? What is work about? What's it supposed to be there for? And then the second week, we talked about money, because if you have a job, then you get a paycheck. And we talked about, hey, what's our money supposed to do? Where is that supposed to go? What won't it do, and what will it do? We talked about that, and we talked about how it won't solve our problems, but money is a tool. It's a means to an end. And then last week, we talked about careers, about how our career is not our true purpose in life, how we can't look for purpose in what our career is, what we get paid for, but we look for our purpose in what Jesus made us to be, guys. And you guys have heard me say over and over, you've heard me say it a lot throughout this whole series, all these things in your life are a means to an end, a means to an end, a means to an end. You guys have heard me say that, and you might be wondering, like, man, what is, what is the end? What is the end? And the, the end is it's the mission of the church. That is the end, guys. Everything in life that God allows us to have is an asset for us to continue the mission of the church. It is the end that God gives us a means to accomplish, And that's what this series has been all about. But let's be honest, sometimes when we fall into serving in church, it feels grindy, and it feels like work, and it doesn't always feel like this thing that Jesus talked about in the New Testament. It doesn't always feel like we're just always seeing like miracles happen, the dead come to life, people be healed. It doesn't always feel like we're seeing that. Sometimes we just feel like, gosh, man, i got to go to another practice got to go to another rehearsal. I got to go to another volunteer meeting. I got to answer another email. I got to answer another planning center invite. 
and we fall into this grind. And I think what we need to do is we need to focus on just three truths tonight that if we hold tightly to this, I think that will help us understand like, hey, when we get into the grind of what it means to serve, it helps us maintain a correct focus. It helps us maintain what Jesus wants us to maintain. So before we go any further, let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we're here for you. God, we want to uh, learn from you tonight, God. So I pray tonight as we open your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that I would step out of the way, God, that you would step in. God, I pray that as we open this and we begin to think about, God, the way that we serve your church, God, I think about you, you died for the church. Lord, you love the church so much and you are so, God, obedient to the Lord that you died in our place, God, so that we might be a part of this thing called the church. And God, I pray that we would recognize, God, that there is an enemy out there who hates us. There is an enemy who hates our joy. God, there is an enemy who hates everything that makes us happy. God, there is an enemy out there that hates, uh, God, our mission. And Lord, we, God, fight not against each other, God, but we fight against that enemy, Lord. And the way that we wage that battle, God, is being a part of your church and serving your church, Lord. So I pray that whenever that mindset of this grindiness falls into, God, our service of others, Lord, I pray that you would help us hold tightly to these three truths. God, I pray that you would speak through me tonight, God, I can't help anyone, but you can. God, we love you and praise you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, guys, I want you guys to flip open the Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Flip or tap your way over there. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25. So we're going to start. If you don't have your copy of God's Word, you're welcome to follow along screen with us. But hey, guys, listen. Um, usually, you guys know, we usually try to stick to one passage of Scripture, and we go through it. We try to recognize three things that God wants us to hear from that passage tonight. We're not going to do that. We're going to be going through three different passages, uh, and we're just going to be looking at one point through each one of those. So you guys are going to be doing a lot of flipping tonight, a lot of sword drills, so hopefully you'll be able to uh, flex your Bible page turning skills, maybe next to your crush next to you, and uh, they'll be impressed with how quickly you can find Scripture. So um, here we go. Verse 24, from Hebrews chapter 10, coming on screen. It says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love, uh, one another to love and to do good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And what he means by the day is he just means the day that Jesus Christ returns. So the first thing, guys, that I want you guys to recognize, the first thing I want you guys to see is when we... Uh, fall into this grind mindset, what we need to remember is, hey, we do not need to grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary of doing good. It's our first truth for tonight. What the author of Hebrews is saying is, hey, as believers, if we fall into that mindset, we can fall into doing things, we can fall into that mindset of the grind even more doing things that are good, but we cannot give up. We cannot give up. Cannot give up our mission. We cannot forfeit what God has started through the church. So, but the, the question you might be asking is, how do we stay motivated? How can I stay motivated? And I think the key for this is encouragement. I think this is what the author of Hebrews is getting at, is encouragement. Encouragement, guys, is your superpower. Encouragement's your superpower. And I want you to think about this. Think about the way that words affect a situation. I want you to try to think about, like, maybe your work environment, and your team starts working on something. You guys are trying to tackle an issue. You're trying to tackle a problem. Maybe it's been a long week. It's a Thursday. It's a Friday. You've been tackling problem after problem after problem, and someone finally just goes, wow, like, this really sucks. Like, I hate this. I hate this place. 
I hate these people. I hate being around them. And it's like all of a sudden everyone on the team is like, wow, like this does suck. And I do hate everyone here. And I do hate this job. And it's like you say that and it's like everyone's like, man, I hate this. Like let's all quit. And it's like all the energy just like comes straight out of the room. And it's like now all of a sudden I don't care about solving this problem. I don't care about solving this issue. Like I just want to be out of here. I just want to be done with this. But if you've ever been in one of those situations, you hear someone say, man, this is really hard. This is really hard, but let's, let's keep going. We can push through this. We can get past this. We can get through this. The results are coming. We can do this. The difference that makes, the difference that makes is crazy. And I was talking to somebody uh, today. I was having a conversation with someone today, and we were talking about encouragement, about encouraging one another and how rare that is today. And he said, you know, it's almost like today, encouragement so rare, it has become foreign to us. Like someone says something to you that's encouraging or something just out of the blue. They send you an encouraging text. They drop you a note. They just pass you and say, hey, man, you're doing a good, a good job. You're doing great. Someone gives you that random encouragement. It's like, you're like, whoa. Like, are you going to sell me something now? Like, are you about to hit me up for a pyramid scheme? Like, what's going Like, we can't even encourage each other without, we're thinking, like, there's some kind of hidden agenda, and that should not be so. That should not be so, guys. Encouragement is our superpower. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Like, don't neglect getting together. Don't neglect getting in these, these circles. Don't neglect doing that to continue to encourage one another to keep doing things that are good. And it's often, guys, listen, it's often easier for us to give up doing good things uh, when it really starts to matter. Like, oftentimes we want to give up when it really is starting to make an impact. That's right when the enemy wants you to quit. Right whenever there's about to be a shift that starts to happen in your group. Right whenever there's about to be an impact made on some students that you've been ministering to. Right whenever you're about to reach that breakthrough. That's when the enemy is going to fight the hardest against you. And that's when he's going to want you to quit. It's right when you're about to make an impact. Listen, Muhammad Ali is one of the greatest athletes of all time, one of the greatest boxers of all time, he said this. Uh, someone was asking him, hey, like, what's your, what's your secret to training? What's your secret to training? Like, how do you always beat these guys? How do you never get tired? How do you always uh, keep going whenever they're worn out? And he said, hey, I don't count my sit-ups. I don't count my sit-ups. I only count my sit-ups when it starts hurting because those are the ones that count. Guys, I'm telling you, we cannot quit doing good things. We cannot give up doing good works when we are getting tired because that is right when we're about to start making an impact. And that's right when the enemy wants you to pull out. That's right when he wants you to withdraw. It's right when that impact's about to be made. So I'm telling you, do not give up. Do not give up on doing good things. Instead of getting stuck we need to get stirred up, okay? We need to get in our groups and we need to be open and we need to encourage one another and we need to listen and we need to use words. So what's what I'm telling you to do is, hey, send that text to that friend. Write that note to that person. Stop that person and encourage them. Say something encouraging. Be that person to continue to stir them up because if you don't stir that person up, they're going to get stuck, okay, guys? They're gonna be like, like me, because you know who often gets stuck doing things that are good, doing the good things that we're talking about in Hebrews? is me. And you're like, David, how's that possible? Like, you're a pastor. Like, you're a professional Christian. Like, 
how can you get, how can you get tired of doing that? Guys, even, even me, like, I, like, listen, like, your boys like queso. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know when you go to the Mexican restaurant and you order that queso dip and you leave it sitting there for a while, what happens to it? It gets stuck right there on the top. So what do you got to do? You got to take a chip and you got to stir it up. All right? And that's what we got to do, guys. That's what all you guys are like. You're all like cheese dip, okay? You got to get stirred up. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm asking you guys to do is we've got to stir one another up. And I'm telling you guys, nothing, nothing encourages me more. Nothing encourages me more than whenever you guys send me a text that just says, hey, I know you're preparing for what you're going to talk about on Tuesday. I know you're preparing for what is going to happen on Sunday. Like, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Like, I just wanted you to know, like, hey, I'm in this with you. We're in this together. I'm in this ministry with you. I'm serving with you. I want to keep going. I want to continue to do this because I see the impact that God's having. Guys, we've got... We've got to do that. We have to encourage one another. Encouragement is your superpower. And we can't neglect that. We can't neglect that. We can't quit uh, doing good because that's often when the big impact is being made. So our second truth, guys, that we need to understand is this, is results take time. Results take time. Flip over to Mark chapter 4, uh, if you got your copy of God's Word. Mark chapter 4 verse 26. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Coming on screen if you don't have it. Uh, This is an instance when Jesus is talking uh, to the disciples, and he's trying to help them understand what the kingdom of God is like. So he's given them a lot of different illustrations about how the kingdom of God works, what it's like, how it operates, and this is one of the illustrations that he gives. This is verse 26. So Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seeds on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and it grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. And what Christ is teaching us in this parable is that ministry, it's like the farmer. He goes out and he scatters seeds, just throws seeds out everywhere into the soil. And some of them take root and some of them grow. But we don't know which ones. And oftentimes, we can't see the results of that growth until a lot of growth has happened. Like, ultimately, God is the one who brings the growth. Like, think about this. Like, when the farmer's out and he's scattering these seeds, he's throwing them and they fall underneath the soil. They start to break loose. They break out of the seed and the little tiny roots, they start to come out and they start to take root in the soil and they start pulling in nutrients and they're growing. But the whole time, the farmer's, you know, looking down at the ground like, I don't know what's going on underneath there. You know, and I feel like a lot of you guys might feel like that. When you're serving in students or when you're serving in hospitality or when you're in your groups and you're just like, man, like, I I feel like I'm trying. I feel like I'm doing my best, but nothing, nothing's happening. And we have to look at this truth and we've got to look at what Jesus is trying to say is, look, ultimately, God is the one who brings the growth. And we can be like the farmer. Listen, farmers know, like, the most optimal time of the year to plant seeds. They know how to care for the ground. They know how to care for the plant. They know how to make all these conditions optimal for it to grow. But ultimately, the earth is what causes the plant to grow. It's not the farmer. What Jesus is saying is, look, you can make the conditions optimal. You can prepare the fields the best that you can. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit, God is the one who brings the rain. 
And guys, that's what we have to remind ourselves of. And we have to practice this thing where we're going to have to realize, like, when it comes to serving others, when it comes to doing ministry, it takes long, focused, dedicated attention. Or what some might call patience. And the thing is, if you think about it, most things in life that are worth doing take long periods of focused, dedicated attention. Things like earning your degree, building your career, saving for a house, building a marriage, raising a family, raising godly children, all those things, they don't happen overnight. They take long, focused, dedicated attention. Results take time. Serving people, discipling people, being a light in people's life, it takes time. So what we have to do is we have to fight against instant gratification because in 2019, like, let's be honest, like, we live in a time where it's like, man, time is money. Like, the faster you can put information in my hands, the faster you can put a product in my hands, the better it is. All right, and this is so true, and you guys know it is. We've got... Uh, double drive-throughs wherever you go because apparently fast food's not fast enough. We mobile order drinks, we mobile order stuff at Starbucks because so that we can avoid uh, lines so that we can get it faster. And it's like you guys know how it is. Like you guys go to Starbucks, you order a latte, it takes longer than forty-five seconds to get out there. You're like, this is ridiculous. Like you got your phone out, you're like zero stars, zero stars, bad review. Because we have this thing where it's like it's got to be instant gratification, guys. All right, like. And I do this too. I do this too. You guys ever heard of something called DoorDash? Okay, DoorDash is an incredible service. All right, literally, like, DoorDash, you can be sitting there, and this is what I was doing. I was sitting there, and I was watching TV, and I was like, man, I really want some Chipotle right now, but I'm feeling super lazy. So I don't want to get up, and I don't want to drive there. So what do I do? Pull my phone out, open up DoorDash, punch in my Chipotle order, pay for it right there on my phone, and I'm like, yes. And then it's like, your estimated delivery time's 38 minutes. And I'm like, what? 38 minutes? I'm hungry now. Like, I need this Chipotle to fuel this Netflix binge right now. And it's like, I gotta step back and think, I'm literally sitting on my couch, I just ordered food, and someone is going to literally bring it to me, and all I have to move is 10 feet from the couch to the door to get it. But I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking, man, 38 minutes, that's almost a full episode that I'm going to have to starve. (laughs) Guys, and that's what we've got to do is we have to, like, we've got to fight that instant gratification. Because, listen, this is what I think happens is, you know, you hear someone like me, you hear Pastor Grant, you whoever it is, talk about serving. And the Holy Spirit moves in your life. And you think, man, I'm not really serving anywhere. And by the way, there are no bad options to serve in the church. The only bad option is not serving at all. Amen. Um, and we get, we get this idea and we're like, man, I want to start serving. So you were like, man, I'm going to start serving in students or I'm going to start serving in kids. And uh, you kind of like float in on your first day and you're like, here I am. Bring me your weary and laden students, and I will minister to them. I see them, they are like sheep without a shepherd, and I'm here to shepherd them. And then like a middle schooler like looks at you and makes a fart noise, and then they like all start laughing at you, and now you're feeling insecure, because you're like, whoa, like I'm supposed to be the one that's in control, I'm an adult. 
and then they're, it's, it's like, it's not in control. Like, they're like out of, now they're like making fun of you, and you're like, now you're verbally making fun of me, so I don't even have to feel self-conscious about it because, like, I know that you're doing it. Like, I don't have to imagine it. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of like this awkward experience. You're like, okay, I didn't sign up for this, so this must not be my thing. And the thing is, is when you do that, guys, like, you got to realize it takes time. It takes time. Like, you can't just float in and you can't just expect, like, hey, this magnificent crop is going to be produced overnight. But instead, we have to remember what Jesus is saying right here in Mark chapter 4. You're just like the farmer. You're scattering seeds. Some grow, some don't. It's a mystery how this happens, but God is ultimately the one that brings the growth, and a lot of the growth is happening before you'll ever be able to see it. And that's what we have to remember. And it takes time, and it takes faithfulness. What I'm telling you guys to do is choose faithful obedience over instant gratification. Choose faithful obedience over instant gratification. And the last thing I think that we have to keep in mind, uh, which might seem peculiar when it comes to the, uh, what we're talking about tonight, is this, is rest. Our third truth tonight is rest well, it's a long race. Rest well, it's a long race. Flip over to uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 27. If you're already in the Gospel of Mark, maybe uh, just one page backwards. If not, it's coming on screen for you right here. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. It says this, Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Guys, it's a long race. It's a long race. It's a tall order. Most of us in this room, we're in our 20s. Average life expectancy is 75 to 80 in the U.S. It means we've got about 50 to 60 years left of our race left to run. It's a long race in front of you. And when God created the world, he set an example for us because he set one day aside for rest. And what we're reading here is Jesus is reteaching to the people the correct view of what it means to rest, why rest exists, why it's there, and he's reteaching this correct viewpoint that we have to have. You need one day a week, one full 24-hour period, one day where your sole purpose is to rest, is to stop. To stop and to rest. Now, before you check out and say, yep, I got one day to veg out. I just want you to hold on. Hold on. Because there's actually an incorrect way to go about resting. Because the type of uh, Sabbath that Jesus is teaching about here is not what we always do. It's not how we always think about rest. We often think about rest like this. It's taking a Saturday and just kind of camping out on the couch, watching sports, watching your favorite show on Netflix, binge watching a little Bachelor, you know, whatever it takes. And then we're just kind of doing that. We know we eat a little bit of comfort food. Maybe we go out and we get some brunch with our friends. We do some self-care. We do all those things. And the thing is, is sometimes we do those things. And let's be honest, you actually feel worse than when you started. Like you spend the whole Saturday binge watching the whole season of Stranger Things And then on Sunday, you actually kind of feel a little bit worse. Like you feel a little groggy. You feel like you got some cobwebs going in your brain. And you're like, oh, man, I kind of feel like I wasted my whole day on there. And the reason is, is like we uh, are resting the wrong way. Resting the wrong way. Some of you in here, like you're a little more grind oriented. All right. Some of you guys in here a little more type A. All right. And your version of rest is like, hey, I stopped answering emails for 30 minutes 
I went outside, I looked up at the sky, then I went back inside, like I got right back on the grind, man. You know what I mean? Like hustle till I die. Like I'm doing what others, I'm doing right now what others aren't so I can do one day what they can't. You know what I mean? Like I'm on my grind 24-7. Can't stop the machine, baby. Let's go. Cash money. You know, like that's you. That's you and you like are like coming in and out and you came in this room right now and you're like, I ain't slept in three days. You're like this zombie that's like kind of just floating through life powered by bang energy and lattes. You know what I mean? Like that's you. And you're like, I don't need to, I don't need to rest. I just pull up into the parking lot. I sleep for 45 seconds before I come in and I'm good to go for the rest of the day. You know, let's, you know, hashtag get this bread. Like that's the wrong way. That's, that's not rest. That's not rest. Stopping for 30 minutes, working all the time, that's not what God desires for you. That's not what God's design for you is. Both of those sides of the spectrum are wrong. So what's the correct way? Because we don't need our own version of rest. We don't need our own way to rest. We need the Lord's way to rest. God made the Sabbath as a day for us to stop working and to spend focused time reflecting on our week, focused time on Him. Because many of us, when we start our day of rest, it doesn't involve Jesus at all. It involves everything that I just said, everything that I just talked about, but it doesn't involve stopping, reflecting on the challenges of work, and asking the Lord to provide strength when we're tired. Asking the Lord to provide wisdom where we failed. Stopping and thanking and remembering and showing the Lord gratitude for all the things that he's given us, all the things that he's shown us, all the opportunities that he's delivered us. Guys, when we, the rest, it's, it's a time for us to remember that he's preparing us for an eternal rest. And often, our Sabbath days, they don't include that. They'd include everything but that. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Is, hey, I made this day. And it's not for me, it's for you. It's for you to stop and for you to remember all the good things that I've done for you. You to stop and remember the goodness and the kindness that I've shown you. You to stop and remember. You to come to me to make your requests known. You to come put the things that are exhausting you, that are making you tired, that are making you sad, to lay those at my feet. It's almost like Jesus knew, like on this grind, that we were going to get wrapped up in everything that it takes to survive that we were going to get wrapped up in trying to make ends meet, trying to pay bills, trying to pass classes, trying to find the next opportunity, trying to build your resume, trying to find whatever it is. Like God knew that, and he was like, hey, I'm going to make one day for you to just stop. To stop and to really think about him, to stop and really gain true rest by reminding yourself of the finished work on the cross. So it doesn't matter how much money that you make. It doesn't matter what your pay stubs say. What matters is who Jesus is and what he's done. And that can look like a lot of different things. It can look like reading your Bible. It can look like prayer. It can look like listening to music. It can look like worshiping God. It can look like meeting up with a friend, someone in your group, and, starting and, and talking about what the Lord is teaching you. It can look like any of those things, but listen to me. What it cannot lack is intimacy. It cannot be rushed. You guys know hurry is the enemy of intimacy, right? Can't be intimate when you're in a rush. That's why God said, hey, I'm going to set aside, I'm going to set aside one day. One day where you're not going to work. You're not going to worry about that. What you're going to do is you're going to focus on me and you. And you're going to rest. That way you can come back and you can do a good job the other six days. 
And we're going to focus on our relationship. And when you stop and you do that, it is a picture. This is what the author of Hebrews is getting at in Hebrews chapter 4, saying, hey, when you stop and you take a Sabbath rest, what that's reminding you of is, hey, I'm working towards an eternal rest where my whole life I'm laboring, my whole life I'm working towards a goal, my whole life I'm serving other people, and I'm working towards this eternal rest. And every time when we stop and we take that rest, we remember that. Hey, I'm working towards a goal. I'm working towards a goal. I don't want to stop doing good works. I don't want to get stuck. And i got to remember results take time. But it matters, guys. It matters how you rest. Listen, you've got a long race ahead of you. And my desire is for every single one of you to finish well. Every one of you guys to finish well. 